0: Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at BoundlessPursuitFishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.Boundless-Pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. You know, it's no mystery, certainly to those who know me, that the bowfin is my all-time favorite species of fish on planet Earth. My history and formation as an angler all draw back directly to that species of fish some 20-plus years ago, during a time before there was social media, before there was really a lot of information sharing, and what information sharing there was online was extremely limited, with regards to Bofin and finding other people passionate about Bofin was very, very difficult, almost impossible. So, today, I guess if there's a silver lining in social media, it has really allowed for that kind of streamlined information sharing, the creation of specialty groups, specifically catering to those interested in Bofin, people that have been doing it, people that want to do it. And it is really blowing up and growing in popularity. And I just love to see all the different ways that people are chasing Bofin all over the country, from black waters and swamps down in the deep south, which is what I'm used to, to tidal basins and marshes of the mid-Atlantic, all the way up to Quebec, Canada and even people catching them through the ice in the Midwest. And today's guest is especially dialed in and equally captivated on chasing these fish, and he does it largely on the fly. He fly fishes for these things. His name is David Hurley, and he chases Bofin and a whole host of other species on the crystal clear flats of the Great Lakes up in Michigan. So a fish that's often thought of as being just resigned to dark, tucked away, muddy, and disgusting, weedy swamps... David is out pursuing these things on wide open, crystal clear, Very healthy ecosystems, 100% visibility grass flats on the Great Lakes. And so I find his experience especially interesting. While I do a lot of my fishing for bowfin with with stationary baits and a little bit lures, he's chasing them on the fly in, in a strictly visual pattern looking for the fish. Now, this is a fish that, by way of evolution, survived unimaginable odds, largely because of its habit of... Getting into grass, getting into tight places, being otherwise hard to see, hard to find, hard to locate. It it is a fish that is exceptionally uh, well blended into its surroundings. And so it presents a very unique challenge as a sight angler. And then you throw in the variable of doing it on the fly. And he seems to have mastered it in a really unique location. You know, when I first saw photos of David Hurley chasing these things, I thought he was in the Keys. Gin clear like crystal clear swimming pool level water, a really unique ecosystem to be chasing these fish. And obviously as an avid bowfin an angler myself, we went very heavily into that topic. But David Hurley's also chasing muskie on the fly, these giant freshwater drum. He's chasing common carp, pike, and a whole host of other freshwater fish. He's a very well-rounded angler. And just a well-rounded, talented individual. He's a musician. He's working in the medical field. So this is a guy who's eager to serve others. And now he's even getting into guiding other people. So on top of being talented in chasing less promoted species of freshwater fish, he's taken it upon himself to be an ambassador of the species at a larger scale, taking clients out and teaching them and showing them and putting them firsthand in front of these fish that really need to be promoted more than anything else. After following his catches on Instagram for a long time, it was cool to be able to catch up to him, speak to him, pick his brains a little bit, get to compare and contrast our own individual pursuits for both and among other things, and just learn from a guy who likes chasing these kinds of fish in a completely different part of the country. It was a really awesome conversation. I think you'll enjoy it too. All right. So we're rolling. So David Hurley, am I pronouncing that right? That's it, man. It's good to uh be communicating you the old-fashioned way. Well, we're still behind a screen, but I can hear you. But man, I've been admiring your fishing for a long time, so I'm I'm glad to get you on here because you are another bofin guy like myself. And so, I was like, I got this is this is going to be my bofin guy. I'm not going to even talk about him. I mean, we may <laughs> we 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 may go back and forth, but <clears throat> Our styles are wanna, a little different,
1: but I want to hear some stuff from you too, man. I I I've been admiring your and from afar for far long,
0: right? Well, far too long. We we've got a little track we'll follow, but you know, we can venture off the path as much as we want. So we'll we'll definitely go down that rabbit hole. But on top of right. that, I mean, I'm just you know, at the end of the day, I like seeing guys that are multi talented, multi-faceted in their approach to fishing. So I mean, I've been looking at your stuff for years now. And you're fishing the Great Lakes, right? Which is a yeah, really interesting yeah. place in and of itself. And I, I, you know, I, I don't know. We'll get into the details about that. But I, I've seen your musky, your pike. Mm-hmm. You're doing the carp thing. Uh, freshwater drum, the trout, bowfin. So, I mean, you, you've clearly got a hell of a wonderland in your backyard. And But I got to admit, like the first time I saw your fly fishing stuff for bowfin, I thought you were in Florida. Cause your water is crystal clear. It's like a hundred percent visibility. It's got that blue hue to it. But I mean, uh, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Just, I mean, if you can take me, I don't know when, when you first came across like why Bofin of all the stuff that you have out there to chase, that seems to be the one that you lean into the most. I'm just kind of curious about your stance on the fish.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'll say that I'm a transplant first of all. So the great lakes, areas that I fish were, are still, um, relatively new to me. I didn't grow up here, so I don't have all negative connotations that fishermen here kind of have towards, um, rough fish. So there's a lot of walleye guys, a lot, you know, a lot of fishermen per capita here in Michigan, but, uh, most people are walleye, smallmouth, you know, musky, uh, the bowfin's still a little bit of a target out here. Um, but man, like uh, I didn't know they existed till probably 20. I moved down here in 2014. Um, I was a hardcore fisherman at that time as well. Um, so mm-hmm. I was kind of a kid in Candy Candyland, coming from Southern California. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I can start by saying the first bowfin I, I ever saw, I had no idea what it was. Man, I was uh, I was fly fishing. Um, I thought it was a catfish at first. And I was like, ah, that's not a catfish. That's something else. I was just sitting there. And uh, I was in clear water. wasn't It was in a, an inland lake. But uh, I dangled a little crayfish in front of that guy. And he ate. And it ate so fierce. I just lit up with joy. I had no idea what I had on my line. <laughs> I called my buddy over. I'm like, what the hell is this, man? <laughs> this is the coolest fish. And uh, he told me it was both buff, in. And, and uh, we caught a few day, And uh, I was enamored by just such a cool fish that lives in the water and lives in the fresh water and uh from there man um we'd we'd come, we'd come across them every now and then it was more of like a just sort of a rare um experience when we saw one mm-hmm. and it was always somebody's on the when when we I was always kind of jealous i was never caught the both in um but uh you know this is well before I start guiding. I've only guided for a, a season and a half. Uh, yeah, so um, we, we'd see him every now and then, but uh, it was more of a rare occurrence. And we didn't know exactly. We, we couldn't pattern him. Um At that point, we were fishing mainly uh, Lake St. Clair, um, which uh, the top of Lake St. Clair, um, if you're not from the lake, it's part of the Great Lakes uh tributary it's all the same water goes from uh superior down to lake michigan and then lake huron and then from lake huron it spills into lake sinclair before it goes into lake erie and so all that waterway i mean there's just so much shoreline and and uh, i kind of got into the whole flats fishing deal um that that's freshwater drum pretty much got me into that. Like that was right. another species that um coming from the uh the saltwater in uh the Pacific coast, um, it just was a familiar fish to me. And uh I in love with that fish. And so that got me into the flats game pursuing that fish. And then I I, you know, it's, again we started to see these both in along the coastline and along these flats that we we're fishing in this Delta. And uh you know it wasn't until probably about four years ago we started to really pattern them and uh and figure out exactly what type of habitats uh, they prefer and uh, and then I just, like have i mean an amazing fisher week of uh, them at any one point in time just to take a left turn and you know we'll go find mr Bofin. um and uh and it's just, they're healthy they uh they're they play ball, um, especially for guiding. Um, you have somebody that's pretty novice, can't really cast, you can go vertical on them. They're not afraid of they're not afraid of really anything. And they, they put up an awesome fight. And they're beautiful prehistoric creatures. what more can you ask for yeah. with an attitude?
0: Well, that's what I always kind of thought was interesting with that fish. And I'm curious too, like just geographically, you're you're way you're way far away from where I met. I know, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, you just have different cultural stances geographically on fish in general, but the sentiment in some Southern States is, you know, sometimes they get categorized in like the trash fish, uh, I don't know. Or lay, invasive lay, species. Right. Or yeah, sometimes, which yeah. is, that's a, that's an, that's an amazing one. But, um, you know, especially further back, I'd say if there's any silver lining with the social media age, it seems like it's, I don't know, it been easier to, to, to get the correct information out there and you see more people embracing them. But I don't know. I I remember even a decade ago or, or, you know, a little more than that. It was, I don't know. They're kind of looked at like a negative thing, but even with the strongest detractors or people that, you know, said it was some kind of problem fish, everybody always agreed that, well, but, or, you know, there's always the butt tied to it, but Mm -hmm. they do fight hard. And then I would always wonder from like a sporting right. stance, like if you're going out just to have an experience and just just enjoy it purely for purely for sport, for the pursuit mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, the exhilaration of seeing them and catching them. And you have no intentions of keeping anything you catch that day. Why is that not a good thing? Like, is that not all that really matters? But I'm kind of curious in your area like what what do people think about them are they well received are they forgotten about do people just not know they exist i mean what's
1: the what, what's the gamut dance on them it runs the gamut but i mean i i spend most of my ecosystem most of my uh uh you know peers are are fly fishermen i think in the fly fishing world um particularly the bowfin is having like its moment you know um you got people out there that are that are kind of big names in the fly fishing community people like blaine chocolate that uh that are very vocal about their their you know they're just into bowfin and and they, they think that's a species that needs to be uh appreciated more um so within that community um it's a very it's uh, kind of one of the list fish right now that we're kind of, it's it's under the, it's having its uh, moment in the, in the light. Um, but man, I mean, just the other day uh, I was fishing uh, a spot and, and I saw a bowfin on the shore and I knew exactly like what happened. Someone had caught that fish and, and left it up, you know, on the shore to die. And uh, you see that I see people like uh, completely convinced that they're, they're a snakehead or they're invasive species. So I think I think the general public there could be a lot more P for that uh general yeah i think it's i don't know there's this
0: idea that they're maybe pushing out more desirable species too i don't know what it really stems from
1: uh, uh, people uh, complain about musky same way yeah, eating all yeah. the walleye in the lake which is you know it's all but i've read I've seen uh i mean the science doesn't really support those you know theories I mean, yeah, they're predators. They eat fish. Um, but to, to what extent, I don't think it it really has a negative impact.
0: Yeah. And and you mentioned, uh, Blaine chocolate and I didn't think about like that. I, I do agree. And I don't really do much fly fishing at all myself. It's something I've Mm -hmm. done. I've even done it for Bofin, but I need to get back into it. But I I agree. I think the fly guys kind of look at everything through, I don't know. There's just more of an appreciation for fine details with, that group of guys and appreciation for a variety of fish, but um, right along the same route. I mean, guys that you probably know. I know you know. I know you're familiar with Drew, uh, Drew Price over there. And oh Vermont. man, he's
1: such a great guy. Yeah, Drew. Yeah, and I are, are, yeah y'all, yeah, y'all absolutely. have a
0: very similar approach, even a similar, you know, the same boat, um, mm-hmm. everything. And I've been yeah. talking to, I've been talking talking to
1: Drew for a long time. Um, yeah, Drew's a, actually. Uh, Drew showed me your uh, your Instagram page uh, he's like, you should follow this guy. He's, he's
0: out there doing some, yeah, yeah he, shit, he, so. he's a, he's a, he's a cool, like just a humble guy. And another multi-species guy that has a, a special appreciation for both. And then there's another guy, um, down in Virginia that I fish with Grant, uh, Alvis. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff. He does a lot of the snakehead stuff, but, uh, mm-hmm. he's done, he's done some good stuff recently, both. In, and actually he worked directly with Blaine chocolate, I think on, uh, some article that Blaine had done. He was actually on Grant's boat at the time. So, you know, you got y- y'all up there uh, up North and you got Grant kind of in the, in the middle mm-hmm. Atlantic yeah. coastal area. Um, there's a young kid that I've been watching lately. This guy named Ellis Wynn, I think he goes by like half moon fly fishing or something like that on Instagram, young guy okay. out of Georgia. And he does a lot of fly fishing for him, like the Oka swamp and all that stuff. So it's definitely catching on, but um, Oh Yeah. Yeah, it's that's it's kind of funny, you know, when when people start arguing that they, I don't know, outcompete other fish, and you think, okay, well, if you, if you took two seconds to look into that species of fish, and you would know how long they've been around, it, yeah. you'd immediately wonder how everything else was able to evolve in the first place during the already yeah, two seconds. Escape, right. Let's
1: think about this for, you know, a half but, uh, a second. It's an interesting yeah, millions like, of years. It's been well, around.
0: It's funny that your first impression of them, like you weren't, you didn't have those blinders on because you'd never heard of them before. So I think a lot of people are the same way where if your first encounter, like you're not blinded by somebody else's like seed that they planted in your head or preconceived notion but about.
1: Come out of that, man. It's insane. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen bass guys, uh, you know, they're, they're doubled over. And so they think they have the bass of a lifetime and they realize the freshwater drum all you hear is curse words but like right before yeah. they saw that fish they they were having the time of their life right and like it's like i wish i could just like erase whatever that is like, like, yourself, like cut it off it fought it ate your bait you know that's cool like let it go you know
0: well interestingly you know it, 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 what I do kind of like about like social media thing now is you can kind of connect with different people and you can choose mm-hmm. who you're going to connect with. I can just block you. If I don't like it, yeah. I mean, I just, I just won't, I just mm-hmm. won't look at you. But, um, I, you know, I talk to a lot of international guys cause I admire and obviously, I mean, we all have our bucket list fish. So I'm always trying to like, you know, build relationships online with authentic people. But mm-hmm. I, and I get a lot of guys that message me about, you know, with interest in some of the fish species we have here. And like, you know, I've, I've done the alligator gar. Thing a few times and that's like you know they're big they sell themselves they're they're an, mm. an easy sell it's a it's an it passes the eye test for anybody that's interested in big interesting fish but i like probably within the last couple of years i've gotten more inquiries or just out of the blue messages or contacts through my website or my instagram on Bofin than almost anything else and i'm like this is so crazy that i got it's a lot of the guys, especially in like the southern uh, you know, Asia area or like the Indochina region where they're doing a lot of the snakehead stuff, where snakehead culture mm-hmm. is so big mm-hmm. and yeah. um, you know, they're they are starting to pick up on these bowfin and they're going crazy about it. I think it's I, I draw parallels to it like with our native like buffalo species. The European guys who are diehard carp guys, they go crazy mm-hmm. over the buffalo because of, you know, the right. parallels they, they have are. with yeah, with, with their fish. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I like to see kind of the shift that's taking place. Um, yeah. As far as how great, people
1: Likewise, what I, a lot of people have reached out to me as well. A lot of people. Uh, right. Well,
0: great. I just to, just to go a little bit further on the Bofin thing, mm-hmm. I know you've done some guiding. And so now mm-hmm. that, that side of it, I get real interested in the idea that somebody I know, I don't know if your clients are paying for that experience or they're just like, it's just part of, the package that they might encounter. But I'm curious, like, what is your experience? Like, have you had anybody on your boat that's never caught one or never seen one? And their first impression with the species was with you. And just, I want you to like, I don't know. I like to hear those things. So tell me what oh, that's yeah, been man. like.
1: That's great. Uh, that's, uh, that's happened many times. And in fact, I mean, there's nothing that gets me more geeked really than like someone that's excited to you know get a new species. And, uh, and you can you can set them up for that experience but because the boat is such a cool fish like you know to tell somebody like oh you're going to dangle your fly in front of this fish and it's going to like it's not going to seem interested or you know it's gonna it's just going to crush your fly and carry that hook and like uh get ready for like a battle like it's going to be a scrappy battle right at the boat side and like you know they're kind of trying to process how that might like unfold and then when you see it actually unfold exactly like that and you see them light up. I mean, it's there's nothing better to me like that. Standing platform and setting them up for that is something that I look forward to see. I love it. Uh, I had really cool experiences. Uh, people have reached out to me specifically saying catch a in and somebody booked for next year that's that's all she wants she wants to get a buffin like that's, a, that's yeah. a box she wants to check and uh it's just cool to know that you can confidence and like you know the right time of day the right time of year um you can do it over and over again i mean it's it's great but well, i think um
0: you know it's an interesting one too because it's a fish that you i mean they're very accessible and they're pretty prevalent throughout most of the eastern united states so it's like i think part of it too though is that you know, you can catch a bowfin and, you know, almost just about anywhere, but where you're doing it, it's got to be part of the allure for people who want to come and travel there and do that with you, because I don't know of anywhere else. I mean, I, I know we spoke a little bit about it, uh, on like Instagram and you can get similar sort of looks in like some of the springs here in Florida, but most of those are, you know, it's not even legal to fish in, but I can't think of anywhere else where you're fishing them in hundred percent visibility, like down where I'm at, there's so much, you know, tannins in the water. It's all mm-hmm. black water. I mean, the, and, the, and in the black water, the bowfin turned black. So you got these just black fish and black water laying on a black bottom. And you, you're just not, you could be in, you know, 12 inches of water and and not know that they're there. But um, mm-hmm. just where you're doing it is so awesome to me. Like I would literally come from Florida all the way up to where you're at to experience catching a fish that... I've caught thousands of just, just to be able to do it where you're doing it at. So that's Uh, awesome. But I'm kind of curious though, like your, your approach, like I, you know, your approach is what's interesting to me because, you know, I've caught a lot of them, but I don't Mm -hmm. ever want to get like set in my way. They still seem to kind of do something different almost every time. But like, I just am curious like your approach as a fly angler who's, who's fishing, you know, you're throwing something artificial in front of them. I'm doing it the easy way and putting a bloody chunk of stinky meat in front of their face. It's yeah. a little bit, a little bit of an easier game, but like when you gear up for a day to go chase bofin, like, what are you looking for? Like where, where, like, what water features are you trying to find? Um, like what, what pattern of movement or style of fly? There's just, just like for the, for the interested fly angler that knows that he's got bofin nearby. What advice would mm-hmm. you give somebody?
1: Yeah, um you're looking for the marshy water. I mean, I do a lot of Google map uh kind of uh you know trying to snipe spots. I look for, you know, coast areas of the coastline that I that I uh are is worth ex- exploring. And uh when you're looking at Google Maps, I mean that's kind of my most, uh approach always when I'm searching new water. I'm looking for dark water, I'm looking for marshy water. Um and usually what that means uh, is that water's going to warm up a little quicker in the spring. Um, and uh, that's ten- that tends to be um, an area that'll keep those bowfin, Um As that marshland begins to get more vegetation and stuff like that, the bowfin will stay there. They don't really move too much. But I found that um, as we've been patterning learning the ones in Lake St. Clair specifically, because that lake is almost like a, a river, like the water's flowing through it, and there's lots mm-hmm. of where I fish, it, especially in the delta. You'll find some of the bigger bowfin are holding on uh, on kind of marshy uh, lily pad uh, pencil reed uh, flats that are adjacent to like a deeper channel. There's deeper water nearby. That's where you find the 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 sort of the the alpha, the big ones, the big females. Um, and uh, sort of just been uh, cracking that code, uh, finding the big ones, and and so that then it comes down to stocking them. So you're you're in the Boffin area. I happen to have a skiff that can get into four inches of water, so it's it's really nice to just not worry. Um, uh, you know, you can go virtually anywhere with this boat. And uh, and you have uh, the pole. Your approach. I mean, I always try to be quiet. Uh, I try try to, you know, know, that's a skill set in its own. Uh, You know, getting into this this water, you can spook fish pretty easily. But with the bowfin, in particularly, um, in particular, they uh, they tend to be more curious. Um, They'll actually hear you coming, and uh, a bow wouldn't have noticed. Will show itself, and. At that point, you know, if you're not moving too fast, um, kind of slow down and, uh, you have a nice little window of that fish being curious and not having a fight or flight response. And, uh, all you got to do is uh, get that down. And, uh, what most fly anglers actually struggle with, which is kind of uh, interesting is, uh, Everybody picks up a fly rod, and and everybody wants to learn how to cast. And that's a huge part of being a fly fisherman is your cast. It's that's hundred percent what your game is in most uh, scenarios. If you can't cast, you're not going to be able to catch a fish. Yeah, but what people don't realize, they could be an amazing fly fisherman and have no short game like the idea of catching a fish that's closer to you than your 9-foot rod the tip of your 9-foot rod that sets up a whole conundrum for people right off the bat and then this to go ahead and set like a vertical uh, hook set because the rods are so parabolic they don't have that torque that most rods have so your hook set's nothing like a straight vertical hook set on a on a fish with a hard mouth i mean it's it's really hard to to get that dialed in so right That whole thing, like that's kind of stuff I go over with my clients, like how to how to do it, how to strip set into them, um, how to fight them, keep them, you know, uh, keep their head below the water. Once they get their head out and they're shaking, that's when they usually shake the hook. Mm -hmm. Um, So that type of battle um, and that sort of thing. But, you know, we, we can. Also set up the shot where you can cast to them so we you know we have the luxury of having a expansive flat especially more so in the spring when the vegetation isn't so thick and some of the bowfin flats you can get some uh, good long shots at them and drag a fly in front of them and they act just like a bass i mean they'll they'll swim up and crush a fly they'll, they'll crush a top water um we've sight fished top water to them i don't do it as much as i i really want to or should uh, i feel like that's something that i'm into this year a little bit more is uh is committing to some top water for these mm-hmm. fish try to get them to come up um so yeah multiple ways we can approach them um but yeah that's uh that's the big thing and then a lot of people want to ask me about what type of flies work and uh i found that their eyesight we we all know they're they don't have the best eyesight um right. they they're more of a feel fish um so i feel like black is just my color for that 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 specific um species uh black would be my go to and i don't think the fly needs to be all that big um i think it's more mechanics um uh i've had people you know I've seen people tie flies for both. And usually they're using like big hot, uh, like one hot hooks, big uh, thick hooks. And I feel like my approach is a little different. I I feel like that's um, it's harder to find the softer spots of their mouth with a, with a thicker um, you know, bigger hook. I feel like uh, just a, something that's a little thin but um also strong It's a quality hook laser sharp whatever that is a partridge yeah. size 4 um is plenty um but I have a little method that I use that where I tie uh, my flies to where the back hook is uh, articulated and uh and actually the only hook is the, the hook in the back and it's uh it's on a shank so it swivels or moves around and um I found that that particular pattern keeps some buttons a little bit better in my experience because that hook is able to find the softer part of their mouth um and uh and that's been something I've been kind of experimenting with now for a couple seasons and you know my hookup uh to to fish to net uh ratio has been uh, dramatically improved it's been yeah nice. i
0: I wonder if that probably serves some benefit too to like I mean as you know, you know they don't really play as much the power game where they're like bulldogging with just raw strength it's more just the utter chaos that
1: Mm, that they do mm -hmm. when they're
0: fighting so i know sometimes my problem has been like even with 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 bait fishing there's still some parallels i think even in the way that we think is um uh you know i see people that use really big hooks down here to catch them the same way i use very small like a size Mm -hmm. one bait holder hook really small hooks uh for it just work better. For me, I've never had an issue with them. I have an issue with the hook point bending, like the tip of the hook. Yeah.
1: Not oh, yeah, so much that the, bone.
0: the shank bending out. So I've downsized my hooks a lot. Even the biggest ones I catch, I catch on fairly small uh, hooks. But the curiosity thing. That's that good to hear me- that. Yeah. well That yeah. that kind of made me. Uh, and then as far as like, you know, the, the way that they go crazy, I had similar issues. Like, you know, when I very first started fishing for them i mean i was a kid i didn't know what the hell i was doing but i was using steel leaders i was going way yeah. over the top yeah. and yeah. all they got yeah. they got teeth they got teeth you got to have steel leaders
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it's not a pliable uh i don't know i mean they for the most part they don't care they're not going to drop it but yeah. it's not pliable enough to where when they start twisting and turning and death yeah. rolling it like the leader works against you and ends up pulling the hook out of their mouth then mm-hmm. i moved to um Then I moved to doing like a fluorocarbon leader just for abrasion resistance. But oh, you know, you should always have fluorocarbon because it's clear. Then I kind of realized they don't give a damn if you, no, they they don't. (laughs) They don't care if what your leader looks like. So now what I'm doing now presently is I just use like 200 pound braid or 150 pound braid section, like, you know, a foot long. It's Mm -hmm. abrasion resistant enough, but it's also like supple to the bite. It's a soft bite. If they're going to be curious or like, or shy about a line, It's not so bad because it's a soft bite and it's extremely pliable. You know, the line twists and turns and folds over on itself. So when they start death rolling and going absolutely ballistic, I don't have as much of an issue of it pulling out. But the curiosity thing made me laugh because I have, I've also noticed that they've always been like a head scratcher to me because there's been ones where I'll see them in like the canals we have in the Everglades Mm is one of the environments that you can sight fish from here. Very easy. It's a lot of fun too. We have these long canals in the Everglades. Just ride along the roadside, and you get out of your car, and you just you just I mean you put on a a little backpack with some gear and one rod, and you just start walking. So it's great bait awesome. fishing. It's a it's a it's a unique way of uh, fishing, um, in one of the most you know awesome areas in the entire country, wildlife wise. Mm-hmm. But you're also kind of up at a high vantage point. All the canals are pretty shallow they're still a little bit tannic but it's not like tannic water is still clear water that's what a lot of people don't know it's like it's not dirty water but you can see them but Mm there will be times on that canal like those canals well i will be standing right over the top of the fish they're sitting there and i'm i can bounce a shiner off their head i can bounce Mm -hmm. a jig off their head they will not bite but they're not running Mm -hmm. from me they're not evading so i'm like well does this thing know i'm here and it's just playing the like they're like uh, i don't know if i just lie still maybe they maybe they'll go away game but it's interesting but um as far as the curiosity is that in the spring is that in the- well uh it's probably been more summer times that i've done that normally in the winter i i don't mess around in in, in the everglades for for both but i mean where i'm at i can fish year round it's always warm i mean i'm about mm-hmm. to start sweating and and i'm out here on my porch right now but um What's funny is like when I'm bait fishing for him almost every time without fail, especially when I'm like, cause normally I'll pull up against the bank and then I just sort of spider out some lines in different parts in the water and sit there and wait almost every single time without fail when I'm doing it, at least one bowfin will come like, and we'll make eye contact and
1: yeah, they'll just sit yeah, yeah. there
0: and be watching me and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just watch them. I'm like, do I need to like reel one of my rods in real quick and like put this thing in front of his face? But yeah, I was like one of the last times I was out. One came up and was watching, like just looking at the boat in curiosity. Like it's, it's, how cool is that? Man? And it yeah. had this very distinct scar across its nose. And then it slowly turned and then took off. And then about ten minutes later, I think it was the same fish. It was a nice sized fish too. It was a, it was a big one. Uh, yeah, I ended up catching one and it had the scar on its nose. I'm like, is that the same fish? Like this is nuts. But it is almost eerie cool. Cool. how fearless they are. Uh, yeah to come up and check something out. So, but, um,
1: yeah, yeah you're it's, on. It's, I love that, that when you sort of interest and you see that, that fin, that dorsal fin to start moving and yeah. it's that curiosity, like, Oh, something's going to go down and they're just processing it, you know? And then they're like, all right, kill. All right. Gone.
0: Yeah. That's, I guess that's a good point too. Is that that does seem like to be like the, the I don't know, the indicator that they're going to bite, but the ones that I'm talking yeah. about in the Everglades, you would see no fin moving it's just mm-hmm. just completely inanimate but yeah once that fin gets going you kind of know it oh, okay they're i've seen them up. like
1: that i've seen the males get like that in the spring uh, when they're kind of getting ready to to you know, to start guarding the the babies um mm-hmm. you'll find them kind of lockjaw, jaw and obviously if they're with a bunch of uh you know baby women, uh what do you call a baby with uh, a baby both
0: just a fry ball like you know fry <laughs> a fry or...
1: ball yeah 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 um super cool to see yeah but you know we leave those guys alone obviously yeah i don't,
0: I don't miss well i re, you know i only want to catch the female ones any at this stage I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm all about yeah i'm all about the big the big ones but uh i don't know the, the males few, the males like, kind of really
1: lit up ones
0: every of. oh yeah well now that's another thing too i'm really envy like we are both in and you probably saw the recent news about now they're kind of yeah you know, identify two separate species. I right. have been saying for years, because I, I used to fish them in um uh, Northwest ark Arca- or uh Southwest Arkansas, where it's more I think it's the same like variant you've got. Um whatever it is, Amia acelicata or something like that. I can't even pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. Right. And and you know we get the same fired up like flared up neon green like wildly colored males. And then we moved to South Carolina and Georgia and florida and you just you do not see even at peak spawn nothing you will not see oh, males. yeah it's it's kind of a letdown Do they right? have just, the spot on the tail
1: do they, have they the, do like the they do peacock. have the,
0: okay they do have the spot but and you, sometimes you'll see like like very faint green in like the, the peck fins but beyond okay. that it's just nothing so i'm like ah you know we just kind of have the gnarly like stumpy black ones or like dark ones right. but uh i'm kind mm-hmm. of jealous of the the color variations you get to enjoy and then i've seen that you it, i'm really jealous that you've caught the uh the uh melanistic ones That that's gnarly yeah man those
1: are cool yeah that's we got a few it. locals that, that you know they, they show up every year um i actually one of the coolest book i ever got was uh i don't think it was a full albino because it had uh its eyes were dark but it was a uh hypo melanistic or i don't know hypo and, um so it was it was basically an albino white um that was one of the coolest fish um, yeah, i don't
0: remember what the, the pet the term for it's like leucistic or something or those are like the gold ones i don't remember but yeah
1: yeah yeah it, whatever it was it it was uh it was definitely uh it was like a white both and then it was it was pretty pretty freaking cool um yeah, that-, that was uh out of lake huron and we have a kind of a, a another little flat out there that that produces tons of them um but not not in the size that we get out of Lake Saint Clair, but still like makes for a really cool bowfin expedition. We go out probably once or twice a year now, and uh, and just go for Bofin out there and have a blast. Right. Well, that's awesome. I uh I don't know. I could sit here and talk
0: bowfin the entire time, but I don't want to short sell it, the people that are listening on like what your diverse like uh, fishery is like because you know I don't even know what to tackle next. I, mean, I know you do the musky thing as well. Musky on the flag. I'm interested in that one because it's, it's one that I've yet to catch. It's one I really want to catch, but uh you're doing the musky on. And then on top of doing something that's already really difficult, you're making it more difficult by going after them on the fly. I mean, are you, are you chasing them in the same areas you're chasing the bowfin? Or is this like, you know, a totally different game or like, what is that like?
1: Oh man, it's stupid. It's what it is. It's just plain stupidity um fly fishing is i mean it's you're at a disadvantage a lot of times there are times when fly fishermen like have the advantage um with just if the fish are feeding on something that's light and small sometimes you can have the advantage of casting something that's translucent and doesn't have any weight to it and really you know uh outfish the gear guys but uh, muskie fishing—that's—it's it's anything but. It's uh, more of uh, just a pursuit that uh, if you're like me and you're like a lot of people out there, you sort of um, find it in the world of fly fishing and realize it's kind of a cool thing to do. Um, so there's a lot of uh, you know novelty to catching a a muskie in general, but a muskie on a fly rod is is super cool. You're—it's a very tactile thing, fly fishing. You've done it enough to know that you have the rod. And you know you're holding the line, so every move a fish makes, it's very tactile, and and just to to, to experience that with a fish as cool as a muskie is just kind of an intimate thing. Um, man, it messes up your body. It's there's no, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. It's come a long way in terms of the gear um in terms of the fly design um the lines that we cast now are, are it's never been a better time to get into musky fly there's a lot of even companies uh, I, I tfo is my company that's what i that's what i'm endorsed by um so they i mean they, they have a pretty cheap uh way of getting into that um musky sport by getting you know their BC Big Fly Rod, it's, you know, entry level $500 and you have yourself a, a really good musky stick um, to, to fish. But Whereas before, you know, you would have to buy, buy something a little bit more expensive and it's kind of a commitment. Uh, but it does go a long way to have the, the right gear when you're going to be doing it. Um, and that's kind of what I waited for. I, uh, I was good. I was was okay on the musky. Thing. I, I did it. I, I went out with a guide and I caught a nice, a real big musky, forty nine inch musky. I got real lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, my first real Lake Saint Clair musky was with a guide. Um, went super far out to Canada side and uh, and uh, caught that thing. And it was a cool box to check. But I had no desire to like pursue it myself. Um, I, I just knew my boat wasn't big enough. I knew that there was a lot of intel that I didn't have and I was doing my own thing on the flats and uh and um slowly but surely, man, I start seeing them on the flats. Um and so uh I, I kind of uh got into TFO, got connected to them, got myself a couple musky rods because I knew I wanted to do it eventually. And so I started carrying musky rods on the boat. Um and man, uh yeah, I, we occasionally see muskie that work their way up um in areas where we could find them not necessarily in the into the bowfin habitat more so the drum and bass habitats mm-hmm. um but um yeah we'll see them and uh just this last year or this last summer um we um we got one we got a, a really big muskie on a on a flat site fishing pulling up to it oh, i had man. a musky rod rigged up ready to go my best buddy dave was on the bow i was like dude put down your rod grab that musky rod and fall. just hold on man and i pulled it to this fish and uh it ate twice um so i mean talk about apex predator right uh that's a good thing with the the uh, both too. if you if you set the hook and the hook comes out um these fish you know, typically we'll eat again. Muskie yeah. are are less so like that, but this this particular muskie uh, uh, ate twice, and he was able to get it in the first one. He hooked it, and it somehow came unbuttoned. Um, but that was that's going to be the first. That was the first muskie we've we've uh, caught on the flats, and uh, and I've I've seen plenty more to know that from now on I'm going to have that rod. That that's not a first time occurrence. It's going to happen again for sure. So. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, man, like, uh, I, that's just now really passionate about and, uh, and, and I've gained enough knowledge now to know where I can go with my little boat. Um, and it's, you know, I can find little areas, uh, in the lake, uh, St. Clair with, it's a big giant, uh, plate. It, 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 it's not a bowl. It's a more of a, a shallow water lake. There's nothing to it. Um, but you have these, uh, this in the Delta that I fish, you have these channels that come out into the main lake and, uh, that, that's kind of like a drop off or a dredged area. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it becomes sort of the only structure, Mm -hmm. um, any sort of little, um, uh, change becomes like a major deal for, for fish, like a muskie, especially in the fall when they're, when they're kind of getting into their zones where they're trying to put on the calories. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's not that far for me, not that dangerous for me to get out there on those, uh, those musky spots and, uh, and pursue them. And that's what we're doing, man. We're out there just casting our arms off over and over again, we know to come up and when it happens, it's the coolest fucking thing. I mean, to be able to do that and, and just do it independently. Um, that was a real cool experience. Yeah, that
0: That's a species I'm, I may take a stab at this year. It's it's just got to happen soon for me. I feel like I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I shouldn't go try to go chase things out of the U S before I like go after that one. But, but, um, I've, and I've done it. I've, I've, I have musky fish, I think five or six different times. There was a mm-hmm. very small lake in Missouri when I was living in Arkansas. It was like a four hour drive, but I had yeah. gone there and I saw them every single time. Every time I went up there, I'd have, oh, like, yeah. you know, the follows or there was one time I was fumbling around like re-rigging and I was like, you know, my, I was in a little John boat in a, you know, like in in a fallen tree, just kind of sitting against the like exposed tree limbs. And I look up and I just, there's just one swimming by the boat. I like, Oh my gosh. But I I could never seal the deal on him. I'd never even, I think I got one solid bite one time, but I didn't realize it. And I hope I wouldn't just, I might sound like an idiot because I don't have any experience with these things. Do they roll Uh, like do they break the surface? Like almost, I don't know if it's for the same purpose, but similar. So I kept seeing, I kept seeing them doing that. I'm like, am I seeing Gar? Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And so finally I got to a point where I didn't know Muskie do that, but the one shot I got at one, I had seen one roll within casting Mm -hmm. range. I just like launched this swim bait out there and they got murdered by it. And I had it hooked for like, I don't know, two or three seconds tops, and it was gone. And then we ended up such a mental game.
1: It's, it's a it's all up here man the game is it's so mental um and then it 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 beats you up and that's a weird thing i i, I must be i don't well in fact i know i am uh any the harder the challenge man the more i just i become obsessed and uh and it's really gotten into my head through that mental game through getting beaten up beat up to yep. those those points on the water where i'm like doubting everything that i'm doing like you know what the hell do i have any i mean you just you're grasping at straws trying to find any sort of concrete like is this the right thing is this what they're going to eat and then when they do you realize they're just a dumb fish man they just they they (laughs) they, you got to find the right fish i find the fish that's willing to eat and and Every muskie is out there, you know, and, and the thing about them is that they have their windows, they have their moments when they want to eat. And when they do, there's no better fish designed to crush a, a swim bait than a muskie. Um, and they will absolutely use 100% of their skill to just get the job done. Um, but yeah, that in, in that interim, those follows and the fish that are just coming in, they're just curious. You know, those yeah. are fish that aren't quite there yet. And you could do things to coax them, you can get better. Um, and, you know, of course, in, um, I'm no expert, but I'm getting better at it. So I'm finding myself a little bit more like in the zone, like a little bit more in the game of those follows, and I'm able to make better decisions. But at the, in the beginning, man, it was just like my legs were going to give out. I was going to fall to my knees, man. Like I was so, right. I was so up. Over this fish, and uh it's it's been cool it's been cool well, be I think I think that was my problem is the ones that did follow
0: that seemed interested and were pretty keyed in on the lure. I just lost all composure as like as soon yeah. as I saw him oh, uh, I, you know I started yes. shaking I didn't know what I was doing, uh-huh. and so it yeah. was like you know I know that's like the critical moment where you gotta do whatever like the figure eights and the this and that just to try to to get that boatside bite, but oh that wouldn't happen for me i I saw him I didn't know what I was doing. I stopped the lure in front of him i Freak the hell out and drop the ball, but you know, been there so many shot. times,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know the feeling, man, yeah, yeah, you'll get another shot, man. You'll get
0: it, no, but um, but I know I'm, I mean, just kind of staying on the on, I don't know, maybe the category of like rough fish, but it's the it's the fly fishing for carp too, is like the other one that that you do, and you've and you yeah. catch big ones that's really interesting to me because I've caught carp a lot of carp, but I've always mm-hmm. done it with bait, I've done the European style. Uh, carp fishing, which
1: with, is like, super cool. Long
0: rods. It's it's interesting just to be able to experience like the way that other people do things. I don't have those yeah. setups, but I got a good mm-hmm. friend that does, and and this guy named Austin Anderson. He he's like I, I know like who he, that is.
1: Yeah, he's he's, he's yeah, out of he's Michigan like, too, right?
0: No, uh, this kid Austin Anderson. He's a young guy, and he's from Texas. And he is like, if you look up like Austin Anderson or like I don't know, if you look up pictures of like buffalo fishing or us-based carp fishing with like european style you'd be hard-pressed to go through the search results without coming across some of his fish because he Uh like catches like those next level like category giants multiple like 50 60 pound especially 40 pound is is small to that yeah yeah so i went out and did that with him um early last year in texas and and we caught so many it was well it was more buffalo but we were catching the carp too Mm -hmm. But, uh, we caught so many Buffalo and, and we had tallied like, you know, the size of these fish and like of all the ones we got, it was like well over a dozen fish. And the Mm -hmm. average fish was over 40 pounds, but, but we got one that was over 50 and one that was over 60. And these are just these obnoxious fish, but he does the fly fishing for carp, uh, as well. But it's nothing I've never done, but I know that that's one that's like really taken off, uh, here in the States. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's.
1: break it down i mean it's it's yeah like people go so far to and spend so much money to chase bonefish um and you know a, a carp is a is essentially it, i think it's a prettier fish than a bonefish i mean bonefish live in really pretty places uh, and they have their own beauty um, but i mean a carp um it fights all the same it's it's harder to catch they're a little They're smarter you know they're they take a little bit more skill but they also live in, in the great lakes man and uh, and and when you're on a flat on the great lakes man especially Lake michigan um you might as well be in the keys or uh or else tropical i mean it's just gorgeous um so they're they're not all in ugly little uh back ponds and you know marsh areas they're they're right like live in beautiful places, too, and they fight. They'll get you into your backing on a fly rod. I mean, there's no stronger fish, um, really. I mean, aside from maybe a sturgeon um, in the Great Lakes system. Yeah, they're definitely a powerhouse. And I even, like, I, I love our native
0: buffalo, but the carp are just significantly more, my experience with them, much more powerful, like superior in probably every way. Uh, I've never caught a
1: Buffalo. So I did, I was actually going to ask you about that. They're, yeah,
0: they're They look alike. That's just about it. And they feed on mm-hmm. some similar things, but like the way that they take is different. It's just, it's just a different fish. I know. like, I love them and they get big, but like the fight's not, I feel like the carp are a much more aggressive fight. But, uh, but yeah, it's been my observation too. Like I've never chased carp even with artificial lures uh, on any mm-hmm. kind of tackle, but i mean I encounter them all the time when I'm, going after other things not anymore they, there's like no common carp where i'm at in florida um mm-hmm. but like in south carolina on lake moultrie you had a lot of a lot of uh common carp in the areas i fish in texas is the same thing and it was like yeah. they just seem like a really spooky fish too like they're much more oh, cautious yeah. they're very keenly aware that you're there you can't mm-hmm. really like it's a harder fish to sneak up on i yeah, had a big deal them. with it have you caught the grass carp Do y'all have grass carp up there
1: no, unfortunately not. Uh, it's a little bit of a far drive uh, south to to get into those. But definitely, that's a that's a fish I'd love to, to experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know a couple guys a, that get into them.
0: They're another one that was just strangely, especially the ones that were in the lakes or like bigger mm-hmm. water. They're a really really tough one to sneak up on. And I actually, it was a, like, it was almost like I think I can see why some people have problems with them because I'd be out, you know. You know, fishing on the flats of Lake Moultrie in in South Carolina, and if you come across like a you know a pad field or a grassy flat that's got a bunch of grass carp in it, I mean, if you like drop your pin on the bottom of the boat, you can look up and see a hundred yards worth of like just whales kicking up a wake, like blasting everything in their path, and you pretty much blow out the entire flat. Like, oh my gosh, they're really that spooky, but um, but they also you know it's
1: giant. so another crazy sort of developed uh this this last year this last summer um so we've got amazing carp fishery in in michigan and uh and for a long time you know occasionally we we, we'd always take a cast at them from the the towee from the boat um and uh every now and then You'd just get this happy carp that wasn't paying attention, and it would eat the <laughs> fly. Um, but for the most part, if you're in a boat, um, they they have such a good uh, sense of the, the the water pressure, so they they sense that boat coming. Whereas other fish, maybe you know, they might start acting a little funny, but uh, they're not gonna like full uh, panic mode. Uh, carp usually, when the toey gets in the range of a cast, they know you're there, um, and so that wasn't really a, a game that I really figured was worth truly developing um, until i heard a podcast uh this guy luke jenner um he's uh got a flats uh, guide uh um service out of uh wisconsin i believe and he was talking about how he guides carp out of his toe and uh and, you know he finds water that's not so cl- and he he uses that to his advantage so you can get in shallow water and and kind of use the protection of the um and and obviously it takes a lot of skill to get close to him but a lot of his game is is just straight vertical dapping for him and it just kind of reset my brain was it was the the reset i needed to to really take another look at it and uh and so this last spring we uh we water um and uh Man, got into a ton of carp off the boat, which is really nice. Um, so that's a that's a new fishery to me. And I'm just really excited to sort of cultivate that. Um, so that those that's part of Lake Erie that we were on. And uh we were getting some big Great Lakes carp um in water that's you know a foot and a half deep. Um and just certain areas where they all come to to pre-spawn. Um so we got into that which kind of upped my confidence to try it on Lake St. Clair. And I started changing my, you know, just my approach where I was going ridiculously slow, um, using, you know, as much stealth as I could, um, down to the clothes that I wore like full camo, um, and really just taking every precaution I could. And, uh, I discovered that they aren't, uh, impossible. And, uh, we, we got in some really nice, home water fish. And the cool thing about the, the, the Delta that I'm fishing, one of the coolest things is, uh, you're not competing with anybody. There's nobody else out there. Yeah. And if there is, it's, you know, a bow hunter and they're like scaring all the carp away before they even get a shot at them. Um, so that's a, occasionally you see that, but, uh, yeah. no else doing what I'm doing out there. And, uh, so it's, it, you have these carp that are just massive. They're beautiful. They're untouched in clear water. And, uh, we just, I can made some major advantages at, uh, at actually, you know, pursuing those fish, um, which has been, it's been really cool. It's nice to, to progress at what you do, you know, like,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I, I mean, I know for the longest time people just thought of them as being some fish that kicks up mud and, 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 moles around on the bottom just vacuuming up random crap but i mean i learned a lot when i went out with with austin anderson and because he's actually the interesting thing about that guy is his like his dynamic as an angler or like the spectrum that he operates on if he's not doing the euro style like carp fishing thing with setting up bait and being out there on rods on pods he's like a competitive bass angler I'm like that's interesting cuz he's like so far on the opposite end. I mean, he's die hard like fishing tournaments, all that stuff. But then the other end he's so he kind of operates from that mind frame of like hunting the fish and learning the patterns. And I'd never thought about it, but like you know, when we got out there to where we were fishing, we were we were fishing this big massive. We were fishing Lake Fork, which is like, you know, one of the most popular bass lakes in the country and Mm -hmm. we were fishing directly facing into the wind. Like, the wind was just howling. There was waves lapping up on the shore. We're getting wet. There's mist all over us. I'm like, this sucks. Like, this is terrible. (laughs) This is a horrible spot. But he, like, kind of explained to me that he intentionally will, like, look at the wind patterns because he's like, I always go to the side of the lake that's catching the brunt of the wind because it's Mm -hmm. blowing. It Like, he wants to go where all, like, the sediment has blowing mm-hmm. towards um oh yeah and i would think even for like chasing them that may be advantageous uh to follow similar patterns to where you're not i don't know going uh, i would i mean it's got to be harder to sneak up on them in calm crystal clear water maybe there's something to chasing those wind patterns and going to the more wind blown parts of the lake that have been muddied up a little bit more uh who knows but it's yeah it's, i mean
1: for for a lake like you know when you fish from shore and uh yeah that's 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 what, where all the food's going to be right that's that's kind of that makes a lot of sense all the sediment all the food and the fish kind of follow suit um we had a really cool uh uh lake back home in california that had a, a locust like hatch of uh yellow mm-hmm. hoppers and uh that was exactly it man wherever the wind was blowing you go to that um actually no you would uh you go to the opposite side of the wind is blowing, not because that's where, I mean, if if you were to walk along the shoreline, you could basically kick up a bunch of uh, grasshoppers because the wind's blowing onto the, the water. You could basically chum grasshoppers on the water just by taking a little stroll along the shoreline and then minutes just no and they just i'm just all these uh these little yellow grasshoppers and then you just throw in light tackle fly lines man it was a blast uh but yeah just uh crazy amounts of approaches to these fish um where you know in my scenario it is just all about stealth it's all about just not running into the fish's house just going as slow as you can and uh and and some of these fish, you know, will kind of swim to you, you know, they, they just, they don't making any noise and you're just sleep, really, you know, quiet and slow and still, um, that's the only way you can get done. And, uh, apparently before that, um, I had a, just a little bit more of a rough touch, I guess, and it kind of, you know, eliminated all that factor. The worst part for me is, uh, just having any sort of like chop where the chop starts bouncing off the boat that'll, uh, That'll get them going, but you right. have to angle the boat uh, appropriately to, to avoid that. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I guess the
0: other thing I'm, I've been kind of curious about, and I think I know the answer to it. I mean, I, I, I try to look people up before I get them on here and talk to them, but like, so, like, what do you do career wise? Are, are you in the medical field, right? Yeah, I'm a nurse.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've
0: been a nurse since 06. So, the interesting thing about that is you're the third guy that I've had on here that, does that job i'm like what that's an that's it's a and there's another one coming on next week that does the same thing i'm like what is there something to this like Hmm. um and so i and i haven't done that but i got a deep appreciation for the people that do but i've done some time in law enforcement so it's like understanding oh yeah the stresses of the job or you know being a first responder or basically you know the, the guy that i talked to most recently is this guy named andrew bunker um and he fishes out of like northern ontario and but he flies up to uh these like small remote inuit villages way way up there and like the arctic so he Damn. flies into these places and just does medical work and it, it what he described almost sounds more like a tour of duty than anything because he's going up there and you know i think of these people inuits that live in the harshest environment you can imagine in the arctic and it, it's for the most part, and if, when you look at these places, he's got these phenomenal photos. Um, this guy, Andrew Bunker, you'd have to look him up. He's not on Instagram or any of that, but he does have a website. Um, cool. If you just look him. But he's, the photos of these places are wild because it's in the middle of nowhere. But I'm like, okay, so these got to be like the toughest people in the world. So if they're at a point where they're calling for help, yeah, I'm sure it's a big issue. And in an industry that's already hurting for staffing, or hurting Mm -hmm. for proper training or people who really know what they're doing and are are well equipped mentally and whatever physically for those long shifts to handle that. And then to, I don't know, mix it with that environment. It's just, uh, it's just, I, you know, I go off on these thought tangents. I want to know that kind of background because for him, it made a little bit more sense that he's a really, really, really passionate writer. He's like really into his writing. His blogs are phenomenal. And I love blogging myself. I like writing myself. But like like he paints a really vivid picture of his experiences and places that he goes. It's it's awesome. Uh, So I'm like, okay, well, it kind of makes sense because, you know, if you're dealing and juggling with that kind of stress, I would think that's enough to make you go crazy. But then he escapes into these places that are just like aesthetically as beautiful as you can imagine. And he's Mm -hmm. writing about it. So then, I know that your other hobby outside of that line of work is fishing, but it's also like you're in you're you're in music. I've been seeing your stories lately. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of that. I mean, what is what does that do for you? I know this isn't fishing related, but like I like to know more about what drives people. You know what I mean? So it's like you do you're a musician and an angler, and I'm sure you have other hidden talents as well.
1: That's pretty much it, man. Those are my three identities. I mean, I uh, I've always sort of been drawn to to art. Uh but somehow found myself in the nursing career. Um and that was uh for me. Like I I you know, I didn't really grow up knowing or wanting to be in the medical career. Um uh always sort of been like a punk rocker, skateboarder, and then my dad was an artist. So like I mm-hmm artistic talents, you know, I could draw and paint and stuff like that. And so uh, music sort of found me early on with the punk rock and, uh, and, and you know, it became, you know, I was in a punk band for years and years and mm-hmm. uh, and became enamored with that whole lifestyle of just being a musician. And uh, And I remember you know kind of early on like having a girlfriend that's like oh you're just interested in music you don't have any goals in life and like kind (laughs) of like thinking oh okay you know it's being young and like oh maybe i should like think about something else and sort of open a door in my brain but uh the nursing thing kind of and uh the big sale was you know you're working three days a week you can work three twelves and have all the time in the world to do your hobbies and you know, I've I've been fishing since I was a toddler. So I've, you know, my dad used to take me fishing when I was real young, and you know, it's always been something I've always done. Um, so that was was always there. But, you know, the uh, the nursing thing just kind of fell on me, and uh, and then I ended up really enjoying the change of going to school uh for something a little more serious you know i never really took school seriously until i got a nursing and uh that sort of became a a nice change of pace in my my early you know 20s and um never really looked back i look at it as one of the best sort of uh you know you know uh I've ever made uh it's it's been a great career to have it's afforded me to do whatever um and the flexibility and uh yeah my background's in trauma for the first 11 years in trauma neuro really intense stuff and I and I found it gave me sort of appreciation for uh for for life and for living your life to the fullest taking your life uh not taking it too seriously and uh Living day by day, you know, I try to live my life as if, uh, you know, uh, if I tell people like, you know, I don't have a goal to retire. I feel like I'm already retired three days a week and I enjoy my job. And uh, the rest of the week I spend doing what I want to do. My wife's a nurse. Um, same deal. She's in school. She's going to get a higher education. Yeah. Um, but she's going to do well for herself. And uh, so, we, you know, we live with our means. We don't have kids. We have two dogs. Um, you know we're both only children so i think that kind of works a lot in in our relationship where we uh yeah, dogs we give a lot are easier than, dogs are easier than kids oh yeah <laughs> yeah there are a lot of freedom to do what we want and um and so yeah that's been uh that's been a good good journey for me um and then the music thing man uh just it's been there's been times where i've been in bands and toured and and done it more seriously um but uh it's really i i kind of view it like uh my friends that used to play basketball in like in school and then you know they're kind of older adults and they go and like do pickup games like that that's how i look at at music like i uh, for me like I, I i just have a group of friends it's i live in a detroit it's a very musical city right um and uh i've met enough people here to where like I just get calls or I can book a gig and and uh and play. And uh it's like a sense of camaraderie. It gets me out of the house, keeps me young, you know, keeps me yeah. limber and something I, I've always done. I, I've love love playing drums and percussion and uh do all kinds of music. You know, i I pretty diverse taste, but a lot of the stuff I do do in this city now is more experimental, more jazz based, more improvised based, which is it's been in you know, the more creative
0: side. It's been no, fun. That's, that's cool. Um, And then I mean, the the kind of work that you're doing is uh, obviously noble and meaningful. I mean, I, and I did the law enforcement thing for a while, and and I admit I I got out of it after a few years. Just I felt like I needed, I don't know, a little bit more. I did have kids, you know what I mean. I got got mm-hmm. to a point where I like, mm-hmm. all right, well, may need to look at something that's a little more reward, a little less personal risk. Uh, you know. Oh yeah. Get hurt in it, but I you know. And like many former law enforcement officers, you go through a period of struggling with like, well, you know, I had a job where I might be able to save somebody, or I might be able to make like a, an, an impact on somebody's life. And, it, you know, I went through a period where that was kind of like a big downer for me, but um, mm. I think I'll be that now. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's good too, that like, you can supplement that income with something that you enjoy. I've always kind of thought of that, like, you know, got the guiding thing. I'm like, Ugh. you know, I, I could do that, but I don't know if I could like do that strictly. I don't know if like I could do it in such a way that that is the way that I like me providing for my family. It required like hinges upon me being successful and that. I know, mm-hmm. Who knows? The idea scares me personally, but also I don't know the market for taking people out to catch big bow fins, not,
1: not as big as it needs to be either. So. Well, but, if we uh, stick around then maybe it'll, it'll get there. Um, but, uh, as far as, uh, my conundrum with the whole thing as well was, uh, I've got, a, have got the the job that provides money. Um, so I don't want to get into guiding and be this guy that is never available to get out there. Um, so I, I, for me, like that was kind of the biggest, um, and, uh, it's been good Cause I, I don't really like advertise so much. I just have the little like blurb on my Instagram and that's yeah. it. So people hit me up and for, for years, uh, since I moved out here, people have asked me, um, and I will always, I have, I've always said no because I wasn't a guy and I uh, wasn't yeah. going to pretend. Um, and, uh, got to know a couple of really great guides in the area and they kind of gave me the, words of encouragement, especially after they saw the fishery, you know, they said, you know, you should be guiding on this. This is too special of a fishery. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's clear, I, I enjoy taking people fishing and sharing. Um, but, uh, it's been really great. And, and just the, the small, you know, amount of people that, that on their way to my Instagram and, and gone out on the boat with me, it's just been such a positive experience but you know, I'm, I'm not doing it for the money. I, I can charge, you know, just enough to like, you know, keep maintenance on my motor and right, you know pay yeah. for some stuff and keep doing what I like doing where I want it to be. Um, but I do find myself kind of daydreaming sometimes, you know, I really enjoy it, you yeah. know? So it's, it's, it'd be interesting to do it full time or, you know, I'm kind of envious of that lifestyle to a certain
0: degree. I yeah, know it's, it's, it's awesome. And I, and I like that. And that's been kind of a common theme on the people that I've, Picked to have on here is I think it's easy to want to do all this stuff like and keep it all for yourself or like what you hope to get out of the experience is all self-serving yeah I want be, right I, I want I want to build my social media I want to build my name I want to build my whatever um but I mean to be in the frame of mind where you're I don't know I, I imagine it's a real educational experience I mean you got a phenomenal fishery clearly and I would have never mm. even known, the diverse kind of fishery you have if i wasn't you know looking at your page so you sharing that and like through images but also sharing it by taking people out there and doing it like that that is all in the name of you know pushing the sport forward and especially planting the
1: seeds and some of these different kinds of fish you're doing
0: um because it really feels like
1: a a culture it feels like a culture and uh and there's a platform to sort of grow the and when you're a part of it like it's really satisfying to connect with people you know like you uh, this is a big deal man you're you're such an amazing fisherman you've been all over you've caught so many amazing fish and just the fact you know a year ago drew pointed you out to me and here we are talking right now this is like a, a a cataclysm of you know of of what is available available to us right now, and, and through yeah. this social media experiment, like it's, right it's- and 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 I appreciate
0: that, and I also know, I mean, the big p- motivation behind doing this, and believe it or not, this is way outside my comfort zone. I'm a very extremely introverted person in my personal life. Likewise, man, I just I don't, <laughs> I I do not go out of my way to meet new people, and I know that mm-hmm. I should. But it's like I get home from a week of work and, you know, my wife may say, oh, I, you know, met such and such in the neighborhood and her husband and fishers. I'm like, I don't want to meet him. <laughs> and I don't know why it's not. A, it's not. A, it's a character flaw. Oh, my but,
1: God. Yeah. But, no, but at I, the same time, I, so I, yeah,
0: it's like, you you know, you meet these people on the Internet, which sounds kind of, I don't know, mm-hmm. cliche. But there's guys that I've known for years since I was a kid on the Internet, but we've never spoken a word. And to me, it starts. Mm. it's starting to feel strange. So, you know, I don't want to exist like this either. I don't want my relationships to exist here. So it's like, you know, I can read people's words and I can read a description about a fish. But it's like, you know, I feel like this is a better format to understand or like to see the authenticity in somebody's like passion for what they're doing. So uh, in a way,
1: it's the greatest format, man. It's, yeah. it's a really it's kind of I, I love podcasts. I love listening yeah. to them. I spent a lot of my time driving, listening to podcasts, and, and it, it's it's kind of changed the whole game. Um, there's no better way to get to know it's, somebody it's than long form. interesting
0: because podcasting and video really swallowed up and killed the blog, which is, you know, that's where I started. I, I started blogging mm-hmm. like 2011, got away from it for a little bit, and then in recent years, I resurrected it and... Yeah, I will always write about what I like to do. It's just something I need to do. But people just don't want to read anymore. They they don't. They'd rather read a short, I don't know, tweet or, you know, a a caption on a fish picture that's completely unrelated to the fish itself. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like, well, you know what? I need to evolve, you know, because my whole thing is like, I want to share an experience. I want to teach people about, I don't know, different kinds of fish. And if this is the most efficient way to do that, then maybe I'll cannonball into it. Cause I know some really awesome guys, like people that people need to know about. So yeah, that's where I'm going with it. Um, but man, I, I really appreciate having you on here. I know we're winding down a little bit. We've talked a lot mm-hmm. about your, like your, your guiding and your page, but I haven't, I, you know, shame on me. I haven't mentioned it at all. Like if somebody wanted to find these photos of the fishing that you're doing or, maybe even send an inquiry about, you know, maybe they've listened to this. Heaven forbid they've listened and decided (laughs) and decided, man, that that's pretty awesome what he's doing up there. I I actually live pretty close to where he's at. Maybe I would want to link up with this guy and and go do a trip. Like how can people find you?
1: Uh, It's basically Instagram, man. Uh, David Hurl and Dave or it's Dave H-U-R-L at, uh, at Instagram. That's awesome.
0: Well, I encourage people to go look because it's, uh, you know we harped on the bowfin a lot for my own, uh, my own personal like need to hear about it. But if y'all go and check him out, Dave Hurl on Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. y- you're not gonna be let down. It's it's on top of, uh, an array of really cool fish. It's 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 in a really cool area. And that boat that you have, I had never. I mean, I've seen guinus, uh, but but the towie boat, that's pretty cool. Like, oh, maybe i maybe I'll maybe I'll look into getting one of those things. But, uh, but yeah, they're man. badass. They're badass. little gifts, man. Love them. Well, man, I've really appreciated your time. Um, it's been awesome. It's been a good, fulfilling conversation, and uh, I mean, likewise, I Dave. I, I can, I can, I really appreciate what you're doing to kind of push, especially some of these other species into the limelight and and, and get them on people's radar because they need to be. And and you know, part of me is absolutely like, to keep them all to myself, and I don't want other guys encroaching in on my bowfin spots, but I also don't want people stomping them into the ground or throwing them up on the bank, so. We got to be the stewards of our resources and and make sure people are not being sold a false narrative. So appreciate you coming on here and helping being part of the right voice and, and throwing some of that stuff out there.
1: Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right, David. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Okay.